Hey, everybody. This is your Longhorn Confidential for Tuesday, November 14th. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, Kirk Bowles is in the house. Cedric Golden's in the house. Thomas Jones is in the house. Um, personally, this is Cat Grizz week for me. I'm all about the University of Montana this week, our big rivalry game. But I know that's not why other people tuned in. We'll have to stick. That, that's our next podcast to be the Grizz, the Grizz podcast. We'll talk about them uh, ne- next week, maybe, or <laughs> Uh, on, on some separate that's gonna stuff. that's gonna always be the next podcast yeah it's on a separate they play in they're montana state that's the only uh, biggest game of the year but uh enough about cat grizz i'll you could slide into my dms we can talk about that on, on twitter but um obviously we have some big news to talk about first uh jonathan brooks the star texas running back uh, in the fourth quarter of the tcu game this past weekend toward the acl and his right knee obviously he's out for the season texas announced that on sunday We'll start with looking forward. Unfortunately, that's kind of what this business is. You just got to keep keep it moving. Texas does too. Kirk, who do you think needs to step up the most in uh, Jonathan's absence? Obviously, that's a big hold. They need to fill in that backfield, but they have some talent back there behind uh, Jonathan on the depth chart. Who is the one guy you're looking looking to to step up this year? Well, I think it's got to be Baxter. C.J. Baxter is a true freshman, but he looks like the most explosive of the bunch. And and I'm on record as saying. Running back may be one of their best stock positions because they got talent. You know, CJ, Jaden Blue, Keelan Robinson, Savion Red, you know, uh, Wisner. I mean, they, they've got some talent there so they can withstand it. That notwithstanding is a huge blow because you lose a guy that's got over 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns and a guy that can, that's had huge chunk plays. That's, it's a, a very big loss, but I, I think we're probably going to see like a, maybe a two-thirds, one-third split with uh, CJ getting the, the lion's share of the, of the carries. So do you see committee in, in Texas's future? Is there one guy you think is going to take over? I think it's a committee, but the one guy that's got to step up is Quinn Yours. He's not even a running back. He's got to play better. A lot is going to be on him now. Um for anyone that thinks this is a plug-and-play situation, you don't replace 1,400 yards of offense. He's arguably the best running back in the country. And so um, Quinn yours can no longer blend. He's got to be that Quinn yours we saw down the stretch against Alabama or that one that lit up BYU. Was it BYU he lit up? He lit up somebody. But it's got to be you know, Alabama. that Oklahoma. Alabama, that Oklahoma Quinn yours. That's what we need to see. And so, um, like Duck said, they're talented back there. They've got some nice pieces back there. But the quarterback is going to have to take on a little bit more. He's got a bevy of weapons. Isaiah, um, he's got he's got Xavier Worthy. He's got Jatavian Sanders. He's got Adonai Mitchell. He's got Jordan Whittington as the fourth option. That's how loaded they are. I'm I'm not going to be surprised to see Steve Sarkeesian throw it more because those are his best players. These running backs are good, but they are not his best players. Jonathan Brooks, arguably the best player on the team, but I think he's going to have to throw it more down the stretch. Oh, he'll run it. Quinn's throws are going to be up, and Quinn better be ready because if not uh, – the Horns could lose a couple of these games down the stretch, which I don't see happening. TJ, who are you looking at? Well, I, I agree with Doug. I, I mean, people forget C.J. Baxter earned the starting job as a true freshman. 
And it, it's kind of funny. We forget how great a season Brooks has had, and it's so unfortunate to see him go down. But CJ earned that starting job in the summer. Um, they named him the starter. Well, you know, they there's a reason the they named him the starter. Look, when CJ would come in and relieve of Brooks, look, there's a slight drop-off. It wasn't that much. CJ's a good running back. But now when you bring someone in as that number two guy to give CJ a break, you know, is there going to be that significant drop-off? And, and I think, like Kirk said, you, you know, Jaden Blue is going to get his eight to ten touches, and he's going to have to make him count. They can't be or you know, they, they have to be of value. And to me, that's the biggest thing. Can Sark keep that running game going, you know, without the proven depth? We'll see. I think he can, but we'll see. I'm really interested to see what Jaden Blue does kind of in that number two role. Um, he hasn't really played much um, these past three years because of he's buried on the depth chart here at Texas these last two seasons since he got to campus and he sat out his senior year. But, you know, this is a four-star talent. Everyone on the team talks about his speed. He got to show it off a little bit. At the end of that BYU game a few weeks ago, I think it was a 34-yard touchdown run. So he's shown some flashes, and we'll get to see if with this increased workload what he kind of has and if he can kind of represent the future of this uh, Texas backfield with uh, with C.J. Baxter. And obviously, Keelan Robinson, he's a senior. We don't expect him to be getting you know 10 carries a game or whatever, but the touches he does get, he's going to need to make them count. Um, they're going to be a lot more valuable than than in, uh, than in weeks past with uh, Jonathan kind of – he was a home run hitter and now they need another home run hitter. Maybe Keelan can do that pinch hitting a, a few times, but um, obviously this is a huge injury could completely change the dynamic of this Texas season. Um, since Kirk and said, I've seen a lot of, a lot of, a lot of games in their time and I'm kind of becoming an old vet too on this beat. Um, kind of where is this? If I say this is the biggest injury for Texas since blank, who are we saying? Are we going to say the easy answer and say Colton 09, or is there some uh, some other injury that kind of pops into your mind? Kirk, we'll start with you. No, I think you're on track, Danny. I think uh, it is Colt given the circumstances. I mean, you know, they're playing Alabama for the national championship, and, and they're in the hunt, even though they're a little bit behind the eight ball with, you know, five power five unbeatens. Texas is still right there, and you never know what's going to happen. So, uh, I mean, you can go back to Mark McBath and John Oney, first string and second string quarterback, 1977. But, you know, Randy McEachern was third string, and he piled them to 11-0 year. So, you can't say they missed uh, those quarterbacks much. So, seriously, I'd go with uh, Colt because of the implications. Of course it's Colt. But um, one that pops into my head, David Ash, in the, yeah. the very first game of the Charlie Strong era, David Ash goes down against North Texas and probably in a game he shouldn't have still been in. And uh, that was it. That was it. And Char Charlie had swoops and case. That was it. And you can't win without a good quarterback. And as good as case was at times, he wasn't a franchise guy, and we know Swoops was miscast as a quarterback. So I know Colt is the one that's going to pop into most people's heads, but that David Ash one, man, Charlie never recovered from the loss of David Ash. He was forever chasing a quarterback, thought Gerard Hurd was the guy, and then it turned out he wasn't the guy. So those are the two that, that uh, come to mind when I think of this injury. Oh, one more, one more. Uh, I forgot about this one, Duck. We we haven't talked about Fozzie Whitaker when he blew his knee out 
and Missouri, that killed that team. They were never the same after that because he was the heart and soul of the team. I don't know that Jonathan Brooks is the heart and soul of this current team, but I know when Fozzie got hurt in Missouri that they were never the same after that. You had guys wearing Fozzie's uniform number for the next three weeks. They were devastated, and they didn't recover from that. And if you want to stick with running back, go back to Roosevelt League. Hey, y'all are taking my answers now. I'm just going to say you're throwing multiple names out there. Hey, Kirk's right, though. Roosevelt Leaks is could have been the best running back that Texas fans really don't know because he he started, he tore a knee ligament as well. In the spring. Fortunately for Jonathan, the, techno, the me, medical technology is so much better. He'll be back at some point 100% from this torn knee ligament. 50 years ago when Roosevelt tore his, uh, he was never the same after that. And Jonathan will be 100%, just it's going to take a while. So many. Jonathan Gray. Remember him, Doug? Yeah. Another one. There's lots of yeah. them. There's yeah. lots of them. Who you got, Danny? Um, I guess mine's a little under under the radar. It does involve the Charlie Strong era, and I kind of think it kind of hastened Charlie's departure. But that was Chris Warren in the 2016 season. Um, on one hand, it did kind of lead to Deontay becoming the star that yes. was that yes, season. But it also put an incredible workload on Deontay. And Deontay isn't getting 51 carries at Kansas and fumbling in overtime if they have Chris Warren, you know, there to share that load. And Charlie may not have gotten fired. I mean, it may may have happened a year or two down the road. But you kind of think of the dominoes that may have happened had Chris Warren been healthy. And they would have had that one-two punch, which was really effective in their first um, four games of the year before he got injured in Oklahoma State. So I think there's two pretty big injuries in the Charlie Strong era uh, that make you kind of wonder – what if um, probably wouldn't have turned out that much different, but it probably would have changed the traje- trajectory of this program a little bit. So I'm not going all the way back to the Roosevelt leaks era. I'm just going to go uh, six, seven years back, just kind of during my time on the beat. Cause I just think about myself and I don't think too much about history, but um, how about your, how about your time on the planet? That's uh, that, that, that too. Rose Roosevelt's a, obviously a great, great, uh, great longhorn, but a little bit before my time, but we're, we're speaking about history. Um, Jonathan Brooks, had a pretty, I mean, I want to say pretty historic season, but pretty remarkable. Um, did rush for well, 1,139 yards, 10 touchdowns. That yardage is the 14th most in school school history. Obviously still would have had three, four games left to tack onto that um, had he stayed healthy. So who knows where he would have ended up. But this kind of when you think about Jonathan Brooks in this 2023 season, what stands out? What did he accomplish? Unfortunately, that came to an abrupt end, but what what does he have to brag about um, when all said, said and done? Said, we'll start with you. Well, you look at a guy who who got his thousand yards before the season ended, kind of like Bijan, um, when he hurt his elbow. And I, I just I just think what it does is it it hopefully, man, really hope that he still has it when he comes back because they say that uh, two years after an ACL is when you start to f- figure some things out. So. Next year, he might not be electric, as electric, but, man, I, I assume he's uh, – is he a third third year on campus? I assume he's still going to come back to college and not go into the league as damaged goods. So um, what it does is it gives them a great one-two next season, whomever the quarterback is. It's going to give them a great one-two punch in that backfield. Uh, the respect that these guys have shown for J.B., is immeasurable. You could just tell the emotion when they're talking about him. Daniel, you did a good job of, of asking some of the defensive guys. You, you and TJ both asked some of the defensive guys about JB and 
and and they were so respectful of him because you know, let's just keep it real. He's made their job a lot easier. Uh, anytime you got a, a great weapon on offense, uh, you're going to have some field position advantage. So a uh, great start to his career. He can come back. He can do do great things here and uh, has a very, very bright future. Tremendous young player and, and a great young man as well. Uh, Thomas, your thoughts on Jonathan and what he accomplished this year? Uh, it's it's amazing. And it's also it's just testimony to how how patient some of these high school football stars have to be when they get to a program at Texas. Like most of the guys on this team, you know, Jonathan was a, a star in his hometown of Hallettsville. I mean, he was the man on campus. He was the big man in town. Um, you get to Texas and suddenly you're around a bunch of players like that and you're not an immediate star. He didn't play much the first two years. You know, he paid his dues in practice, but according to his teammates and coaches, he worked hard. He stayed the course. He did everything right behind the scenes. We just didn't see that on game day. And then when he had his moment to shine, he took full advantage of it. And I, I think it's a testimony to what how hard Jonathan works. And it's also an example to the other players on the team that maybe aren't getting the playing time as young players. Kirk? Yeah. I think uh, I think he's the Big Twelve Offensive Player of the Year. That, that's now? how big an impact I think he had. You know, and it's just a shame he can't finish it out. I'm also on the All American Committee, and we're meeting uh, this coming Sunday and the next Sunday to discuss that. And I was going to push uh, Jonathan Brooks and Ollie Gordon as we pick two running backs. I was going to pick them one and one A as the All American tailbacks and. Uh, I still think Jonathan will be all Big 12, and heck, he might still get my Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year vote because, you know, as said, said Quinn hadn't been all that every single game, and Brooks has. I mean, what do you have, like, what do you have, 500-yard games or six? What was it? And uh, and two of the other ones, he had 98 yards and 99 yards. So he was so reliable, so consistent. Played so hard every single snap. I just think it's a tragic end of the season for him. And I worry about next year. As you said, said it takes usually two years. And the fact that this comes so late in the year, unless he's like a Brees Hall who who overcame a late season injury and is having a really good year with the Jets this year, I worry that, you know, he may have to sit out next year. So my hat's off to this cat because, man, he got it done and, he still deserves a heck of a lot of flowers. I think it will be interesting to see when that Big 12 team comes out where Jonathan is on it. Because, I mean, you could also make the argument that he's not going to make the first team now because this is a pretty solid year for running backs in the Big 12. Ollie Gordon, I think it's kind of – I think it was Ollie Gordon and Jonathan Brooks' spots to lose. But with yeah. Jonathan now losing two games, does a does a Taj uh, – you know, Taj uh, Brooks oh, from, um, from Texas Tech yeah. or um, – Amani mm-hmm. Bailey from TC or one of one of those guys kind of sneak into the sneak into the picture and um kind of steal, you know, steal that spot um because they're having really good seasons too. Um I think if you're a Texas fan, um you're hopeful for the future. You know, Steve Sarkeesian likes to brag a lot about his the thousand yard streak. And it's kind of easy to do that when uh B. John Robinson's the running back here in Heritage. But Jonathan Brooks was a guy who there were some questions about coming this season, um, about who could step up for 
Roshan and Bijan and Jonathan took that and a lot of it was his talent, but some of it was also his play calling and scheme. So I think if you're a Texas fan, you're confident about the coaching um, that you have. And you're also confident about Steve Sarkeesian and his staff's ability to identify talent, whether it's a CJ Baxter, whether, whether it's a Jonathan Brooks and nurture those guys and kind of get them moving in that direction to produce another 1000 yard rusher. I don't think that streak is going to end anytime soon regardless of whether Jonathan's healthy enough for the start of next season or whether CJ kind of takes his job and doesn't uh, doesn't give it back. So I, I think that's something that kind of stood out for me. But obviously, Jonathan kind of cemented his place in the history books, and we'll see what's up for, with him in the future, whether he um, comes back, decides to take a shot at going pro and you know rehabbing, it, rehabbing professionally or what he decides to do. But obviously a talented player who, you know, I think brighter days – are ahead of him than what happened in the fourth quarter in Fort Worth this past weekend. But um, let's look ahead uh, this Saturday. The second most important game on the schedule, besides Montana, Montana State, will be uh, Texas versus Iowa State. Texas is 9-1, 6-1 in Big 12 play all alone in the first place in the standings. But right behind them is Iowa State, among a a few teams fighting for second place. Iowa State 6-4, 5-2, Saturday at 7 p.m. on Fox. If you were watching at home, um, obviously, I think the big storyline kind of coming to this game is Texas and their inability to finish. Uh, Texas has had no problem the last four weeks with building huge leads. They built a 20 point lead in each of the last four weeks. And three of those weeks, they've almost blo- they did blow it in two of those games, almost blew it this past weekend in Fort Worth, managed to win all four. But how concerned are y'all with uh, Texas and kind of their inability to go for the kill? and finish off teams that aren't BYU. Uh, Thomas, we'll start with you. Oh, oh you have to be very concerned. I, I mean, it's one thing, you know, the cliche is you got to play all four quarters, and, and you have to play well all four quarters. I mean, Texas is playing really well for, you know, two, two and a half quarters, and then really bad for one quarter against TCU. I mean, if you do that against Iowa State, I think it will catch up to them, and they will lose. If they – sleepwalk through the second half like they did against TCU in Houston, they'll lose to Iowa State. Iowa State's a pretty good team. So, yeah, I'm very concerned. Um, you know, the K-State thing, they they kind of gave the, the – almost gave the game away with the turnovers. But TCU was just they, – they couldn't stop the Horned Frogs, and, and Iowa State is, is a better team than TCU. So, yeah, I'd be real concerned if I'm a Longhorn fan. Kirk? Yeah, it's who they are. You know, I mean, this is a pattern, this is a trend, and this is a habit. I mean, and there were kind of three different ways they've kind of blown these three touchdowns leads, you know, like the fake field goal didn't work against Houston, and then Donovan Smith got hot and crazy, and then K-State, you had turnovers, obviously with the backup quarterback. That triggered the comeback by Kansas State. And then with TCU again, chunk plays and bad pass defense. So it's like they kind of have to find different ways. And, you know, Sarkeesian loves talking about how versatile this, team's, this team is. But And they are versatile. They can blow leads in different ways. So that's kind of a versatility you don't want, you know. So Wow. It's it's a concern. They're living on the edge. And here's the other thing, guys, is that <laughs> they're, they're failing the eye test, you know. I mean, they're kind of on the outside looking in for the CFP. But one – scare after another i think the selection committee looked at that and going you know you look at it, oregon they're just you know boat racing people and michigan's doing that and ohio state's come on and 
you know, so they're losing the eye test before the selection committee, and they just find themselves in this this rut that they're in. Kind of like remember Sark's first year when they blew all those second half leads. So I don't know if this is history revisiting itself, but it is a huge concern, and they got to get this fixed. Well, there's one one small difference between this year and Sark's first year. Um, they're winning. Uh, Saturday, tell him, Saturday, tell him Daniel. Tell him, Daniel. I had him eleven to one. You were the doubter. Come on, stop it. I'm not. I wasn't a doubter. I had him at nine and three. It's That's a doubter. On the table. Still on the table. Nine and three. Still on the table. You tell me nine and three is not on the table, fam. Are you predicting nine and three? No, but are you telling me that nine and three is not on the table right now? I can do. Are math. you telling me they're going to go in and work? Are they going to work on uh, uh, Iowa State? Is that a given? They're not working anybody. Okay, so 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 let so let me break it down to you. Daniel Davis was right. You keep saying blowing leads. No, they've frittered away some leads, and they've won all but one game. So blowing leads is twenty twenty one at Oklahoma State. K State, those leads were blown because they, they lost these games. So they gave yeah. up the lead. So yeah, so I'm telling you, they they've got they've they've got the maturity and the wherewithal to withstand it. They are they are maybe living on borrowed time, playing with fire, whatever cliche applies, and it's going to get them in trouble. It could happen this weekend uh, because Iowa State is better than. Me or you thought they'd be duck. We didn't think they'd be this good this year. And there's there's that's a road environment. A better teams than this one have gone in there and lost. This team is pretty good. I like them. I like the makeup. I like I like the culture. I like the talent. I don't think they're top four. I don't. Uh, because if you look at what Washington's doing in the best conference in football, navigating through winning these big games, beating Utah. Um, Washington's playing ranked opponents every week. Texas is not. But yet Texas is in these dog fights. And so I think, I I believe they're good enough to run the table. Um, you know, it's, and I'm including the Big 12 championship game. But I have my doubts, especially with the loss of Jonathan Brooks and the fact that they just don't know how to close out these games. Sooner or later, they're going to be in a close game in the first half. Then what are they going to do? Yeah, um, Christian Jones on Monday talked to us kind of about a meme. Um, he kind of likened this issue with finishing to that meme of two men digging for diamonds and one of them furiously digging away and the other one who's a little bit ahead and literally like this close to diamonds has given up and is walking back all dejected and sad. And, you know, the moral of the story is keep digging um, and you'll eventually, you can't give up. You just got to, you got to finish a job. Um, I kind of liken it to, since I'm a, a father of a, of a toddler to quit playing with your food, because at some point dinner is going to be over and you're going to be hungry because you sat around instead of eating and getting the job done, you, you played with your food. And I think Texas just needs to do a better job of just finishing off, whether that's, the uh, play calling from Steve Sarkeesian and not getting so conservative, whether that's players executing better. We're about to talk about the past defense in a second or making a, you know, player, you know, making, making key plays at key times, but Texas is more talented than I would say. Texas is more talented than Texas tech. They should 
finish these games if we're playing them on paper. But unfortunately, we don't play games on paper. So Texas needs to quit playing with their food. They need to go for the kill. They need to keep digging for diamonds, whatever cliche you want to use. But um, it's definitely a concern. And at some point when they play a better team, I don't know if that team is Iowa State, it's going to it's gonna hurt them. As, as far as the college football playoff thing is concerned, um, I, I feel like I'm kind of in the minority here, but I just – I, I'm just of the belief that Texas, if Texas wins out, they're going to get in the playoffs. Like I, I feel like in the end, assuming those four undefeated teams don't say undefeated, which um, I guess they can't because, um, you know, I Ohio State and Michigan have to play each other. Like if there aren't four, you know, undefeated conference champions, I think Texas gets in. Um, so as long as two of those five drop, I, I feel Texas is going to get in. I feel that like Alabama win is going to carry – a lot of weight as well as being a, co- a conference champion with one very close loss on your, on your resume to a rival at a neutral site. But um, that pass defense stats are not good. Um, ranked in 105th nationally uh, in, in pa- passing yards allowed um, 247 per game. Are they as bad as your stats uh, assume, or is this a matter of teams are just passing on them because they're getting down late and needing to rally the run defense is better, so you want to hit them with the pass. Where do you rate this pass defense? TJ, we'll start with you. And it, it's, it is confounding, really, because it's a good pass defense. It plays well in the first half, you know, the last month of the season. And then it just stops playing well. I want a team – I need to see a team just come out, throw, 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 attack downfield, attack the Texas secondary from the opening kick. And then I'll tell you if it's good or not. Because right now it's just they play so good and then they play so poorly. It's it's puzzling. And I, I know I sound like any Texas fan right now. It's just it's bizarre. I don't know. That's a good question. Say your thoughts. It's a combo platter, Daniel. It's a combo <laughs> platter. They get they get out on these teams and these teams try to play them straight up and not able to. Texas is better early. These teams get behind. They get in the hurry up. Texas doesn't always communicate great on the back end. There's been some breakdowns. There's been some horrific, horrific missed tackles, which may point to fatigue more than anything else, given how beaten up they are back there. We know Jade Barron's not 100%. We know Keegan Crawford's not 100%. So, but you're only as good as you're 11. And if you're not getting that pass rush, Late in games, then then you're you're not going to be able to uh, withstand that energy level that you have early in games. The one thing that they had going for them that was before this week is they had a a hammer. Jonathan Brooks was a clock milker who who could who could help this offense milk time off the clocks. They don't have a guy I don't know that can do that now. These guys aren't as as built to do that as JB. So what's going to really be interesting to me, guys, is if they do get ahead of a team like Iowa State, they can throw it around a little bit, and they don't have the guy that, that can run the football and, and move those chains. Is Sark going to still be throwing with big leads? That's going to that's gonna be interesting to see. He, he should try it. He should try something different than what he's been doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Eric, your thoughts? Well, I think we haven't put enough blame on Pete Kwiatkowski's plate. Uh, if you're going to go with the combo platter, I mean, here's the defensive coordinator. We never get to talk to him. 
he never has to address what the shortcomings of that defense. But I mean, they're 105th in the nation in pass defense, and some of it is bad tactic. I, I think a lot of it's so they get into these zones or prevent defenses, starting back with the Oklahoma game. They're not know. good in zone. They're not good in zone. They're not. They lose that aggressiveness, I think. And I think partly they relax and they go, well, we're up three touchdowns. Let's don't give up the quick strike. Let's don't give up the big, big pass play. So they give up a million crossing routes. You know, you still see Drake Stoops running over the middle unmolested, you know. And so I'd put a lot of blame on Kowski and not making the correct uh, adjustments. But, uh, you know, they're winning beside of it. I looked at Washington's pass defense, 122nd in the country. Yeah, and they're unbeaten, and they're having a great year. So, you know. Not the panics. Texas is still winning, you know, with the 105th pass defense. So, uh, but, yeah, it's it's a troubling trend, and I think Pete Kwiatkowski needs to get it fixed El pronto. And we'll we'll all agree that Washington is a, in a much better pass passing conference than Texas. You got Bo Nix in that conference. You got Caleb Williams in that conference. You got Michael Penix in that conference. There's some mm-hmm. there's some dogs in that conference throwing that. Well, they played poorly against Arizona State and Stanford too. They, those were both both escape wins for the Huskies. Yeah, what do you want, Danny? It's really quickly. I think they just need to get healthy. Uh, Johnny needs to get to be 100. percent um, As as 100, percent you can't be this part of the football season, and it really helped if uh, Jalen Catalan was able to come back and you know provide what they expected him to provide mm-hmm. when he transferred in from Arkansas. Um, we're running out of time, so we're going to speed things up. Um, two quick questions. We don't need a ton of statistics. We don't need a long answer. Who's the one cyclone to watch out for? And is Iowa State the team you expect to trip up Texas? I'll go first, wide receiver, Jalen Noel, and no. Uh, Thomas, you're up. Uh, uh, Rocco Beck, that redshirt freshman quarterback, he's getting better every week, really developing fast. He could give the Horns problems. And what was the yes and no question? Uh, Is Iowa State going to trip up Texas this week? Yes. I do think so. Said? I like uh, the wide receiver, Jaden Higgins, 17 yards a catch. He's a deep threat. Uh, leads them in, in um, pat, uh, receiving yards with 610 yards. Um, I think Texas is going to figure out a way to beat Iowa State. I do. I think it's going to be crazy close. And uh, I w- if I was betting it, I wouldn't touch it with a 1,000-foot pole. But I think I think Texas will figure out a way to beat Iowa State. Kirk? Abu Sama, true freshman running back. At over 100 yards last week at a 59-yard run, so he can give them that quick strike ability. And no, even though Iowa State has won three of the last four, I think it helps a little bit mentally that Texas isn't fat and sassy from blowing out these teams. So maybe those, you know, close scares of the fourth quarter might actually help them because they know they're in for a dogfight. But Texas hangs on once again. Um, obviously, the Texas-Iowa uh, State game will be the center of the Longhorn universe, but it's not the only thing going on around campus. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday tonight. Oh, hold on, school. dog. What's going to happen first before you do your prologue or epilogue? What's going to happen in Ames, sir? I said no. I, 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 said, I said no. You said no. Short okay. to the point, said. Short and to the point. I got, I got yeah, into that. Yeah. I, I know you guys well, he was quick. your answers, but I got into that. I, I was looking up a player. So I heard it. I heard it. 
Anyways, uh, tonight on uh, at the Moody Center, the women's basketball team, they'll be hosting UT Arlington on Sunday afternoon. They'll be playing Louisiana Tech. Texas is ranked 11th in their um, AP poll. In the men's AP poll, Texas is ranked 19th. They have Rice at home on Wednesday. Then this weekend for Sunday and Monday, they're heading to New York City with Thomas Jones for the uh, uh, Satip Satva Empire Classic. I don't know who's sponsoring that thing, but uh, uh, yeah, the Empire Classic. Yeah, the Empire Let's go, TJ. Let's go. They got Louisville on Sunday and someone else on Monday, uh, depending on who wins and who loses. Uh, Fifth-ranked fifth volleyball team will be home at Gregory Gym against Iowa State. Seth Golden's heading over to Gregory Gym to talk to the fighting Jared Elliott, the fighting Asia O'Neal's, uh, see, see what's going on over there. And then they travel to UCF on Saturday. Um, soccer, they've reached the second round of the NCAA tournament. They're heading to Tallahassee for that. They'll meet Wisconsin on Friday. If they win, they'll play either Florida State or Texas A&M on Sunday. So that could be fun if we can get some Longhorns and Aggies in the third round of the NCAA tournament. But a lot has to happen before then. And then uh, cross country, if you're into the runners on Saturday in Virginia, they are the NCAA championships. The men, they've advanced. Uh, Beth Ramos, who is a senior, she will represent the UT women at the NCAA championships. So we'll see if Texas can bring home a title on the East Coast. But that's enough teases for the on the 40 acres. Let's tease you on Second Thought Podcast. What's uh, what's going on in the pod this week, boys? Tell him, Doc. We're going to talk to Olin McCann our good friend from the 12th Man over there, uh, Texags, I mean, and uh, kind of Same. break down the Aggies as they search for a successor, a cheaper successor. And then we'll dissect Iowa State a little bit more. Sounds good. I'm sure you, 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 you two and Olin will have some good war stories to go over. And obviously, there's, there's some interesting things going on in College Station that I'm sure Texas fans will like to listen to just so they can laugh and, uh, you know, mock our, mock our friends, uh, over in College Station. That tends to be what happens in these situations. But that is going to do it for, that's going to do it for us. You can check that out on statesman.com. Um, not only that, but our, all of our content throughout the week at the game. Next week, as we head get ready for the tech game, it's all on statesman.com. Uh, we're on YouTube. We're wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate y'all. But yeah, we'll uh, see you next week. Uh, if you're going to Ames this weekend, stay warm. And yeah, go Grizz. No.